With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It's one more reminder that... uh... We probably should never be surprised, right? I mean, it's it's also also one more reminder to me to be really thankful for what you're doing and have. So I'm I'm, uh, you know, I told you how I felt about the whole thing, but daily now, you know, the the meaning of this day, this practice, it probably really sets the focus. But that I am really I really like what I do, and uh, so it makes me very kind of thankful for all that and I'm going to take advantage of every minute of it. I'm really encouraged by our team. My thought on this team is we have an opportunity to get better every week and in doing that, who knows. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Hi, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Man, what a week. And here we thought playing on Friday night uh, football was going to be the big controversy and story of this week. That hasn't even been brought up uh, as um, in the last seven days, Nebraska has fired an athletic director. They get a win over Rutgers. It was an ugly win, but a needed win. Quarterback Tanner Lee gets booed in the process, comes back and uh, finishes the game six of eight and leads them in the fourth quarter. Uh, to get the victory, and then Dave Remington uh, named the interim athletic director by Nebraska officially on Tuesday. And, you know, you heard Mike Riley kind of just put the seven days in recap as uh, the team got ready to leave for Champaign after Wednesday's practice. And, I mean, guys, Mike Riley looks exhausted. He looks beat down. You can see the bags under his eyes. And, um, you know, I think the stress of this is getting to him at times a little bit, and um, he kind of opened up a little bit about it before the team left for Illinois. Well, this was already a season filled with drama before fall camp even started. I mean, you lose your best defensive player before you even have your first fall practice. Uh, and then, you know, you get a week into your, your first, after your first game, and then there's the defensive coordinator media gate. Uh, and then, you know, then it's, it's which offensive uh, assistant is going to get fired. And so, I mean, it's just one thing after another uh, that Mike Riley has had to deal with that go well beyond just coaching football games. And uh, this was the pinnacle of them all, um, you know, losing uh, Sean Eichhorst. Obviously, there was a, a wide thinking that, you know, those two guys were tied at the hip. And as long as Sean Eichhorst was in charge, uh, Mike Riley was going to have a pretty long leash. Well, that evaporated um, with that move that Nebraska made last week. And um, there's a lot of speculation about what the future holds for Mike uh, going forward, um, you know, especially with the way that this season has gone. Um, you know, there's there's not a lot of room, um, you know, for for slip ups uh, from here on out, and um, you can tell that that pressure is starting to weigh on him a little bit. But um, to his credit, you know, he's he's keeping a positive attitude, trying to just keep this team focused on the task at hand and uh, making the most of the opportunity they have left left the rest of the way. When it's not just pressure to win on the football field, it's you know it's pressure to. Um, to keep your staff intact and, and to make sure that they have jobs and it's pressure to recruit and, and how to explain the situation to recruits that have 
questions about everything. I mean, uh, it goes far beyond just winning winning the football game on, on Friday or Saturday or whatever. Uh, so in that in that res- respect, I think that uh, you know Mike Riley definitely has been juggling a, a lot of different things and, and trying to. Uh, uh, trying to handle a lot of different situations as best he can. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as we get you ready for Friday's game in Champaign. Uh, it's a 7 o'clock game, uh, presumably Nebraska's last ever Friday night game um, uh, in this package that Sean Eichhorst got Nebraska into. And it's interesting when you think about this, he agreed to play a road Friday night game. Not only that, though, Illinois is coming off a bye week. So Nebraska is the traveling team playing in an NFL Super Bowl head coach with an additional week of prep time. So that is something, you know, when you look at this game now this week, um, getting through kind of an ugly game against Rutgers with a skeleton squad and then presumably kind of going out now to Illinois with a lot of guys potentially not available. I know a lot of them are going to be game time decisions, Robin, but this week in general, uh, the turnaround has just come. This game this Friday has just crept up on us so quick. Uh, and that was one thing that Bob Diaco specifically mentioned um, after practice, you know, that he couldn't really understand how uh, the Big Ten thought that this was a fair idea uh, to not only have, you know, Nebraska play on a short week, uh, but to have Illinois do, you know, basically almost two full weeks of preparation. So, I mean, that's some pretty big disparity there. Um, just in terms and that of, falls on I-Course. It like, does. He should not have agreed to it under those terms. Yeah, and then going on the road to boot. So uh, clearly not ideal by any stretch and a big reason why uh, these Friday games were kind of put to bed early um, as soon as the schedule came out. But uh, I guess the good news, if there's any positive way you can uh, spin it, as Bob Diaco followed up, uh, you don't have a lot of time to overthink things. And so I think that they're going to have um, a very concise game plan and specifically offensively. I think that's the way to go. Um, you know, I think that earlier in the year, they maybe were trying to do too much, um, specifically Tanner Lee trying to do too much. And in the second half against Rutgers, uh, as we've talked about, they may have found a little bit of an identity there with a power football game that, um, you know, just a perfect example, they had one play called Zonka, which is essentially an inside uh, zone run play that they ran 31 different times with different variations of personnel and shifts. Reminds me of that Penn State game when uh, Nebraska ran that same little toss play about 30 or 40 times. Yeah, and so, I mean, maybe simplification is a good thing, and, you know, being in the situation they're in, maybe that kind of forces the issue a little bit, and they just kind of have a a very... I guess, basic, um, you know, concise package that they're going to work with. And that maybe could be a good thing in in the long run. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, uh, to kind of get that win uh, against Rutgers, kind of not get the monkey off your back, but, you know, get get a good taste back in your mouth, I guess. And then uh, have kind of a short week. You know, some of the players talked about, the fact that it's more taxing mentally on having a short week than it is physically and that they've been pretty light as far as the, you know, the physical work this week, but um, get in to champagne, get that, do whatever it takes to get that win and, and get out of there and, and turn your focus uh, then to Wisconsin. You're listening here to the Husker online show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. And, you know, as we kind of look big picture on this Illinois team, they started 10 true freshmen um, in their last game against South Florida. They have played 18 true freshmen, Nate. And uh, when you think about recruiting and, and disguise playing early, especially at a power five program in the big 10, 
I mean, that's almost unheard of uh, to have that many true freshmen. It's almost like Illinois is just throwing this way a year, throwing this year away. Um, they're calling this basically year one for Lovey Smith because last year he didn't even take over the team until right after, right before spring practice. Yeah, they had that many fresh faces out on the football field at once. I, I don't know that I've ever really seen that, at least not from a program that, that was coming off of some sort of probation or, or scholarship limitations. It's like or, we are Marshall or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, for real. Uh, I mean, they've got so many true freshmen playing. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty unreal uh, to, to really see that. Well, and the numbers reflect that. Uh, Illinois might be – uh, you know, there, there may be some candidates that are pushing them, but they might be the worst team of any Power Five school right now. Um, you look at their national rankings. Offensively, they rank dead last in the Big Ten uh, in rushing offense, total offense, and scoring offense, and they rank 12th overall in passing offense. On defense, they rank 13th in rushing offense, 14th in total defense, 11th in scoring defense, and 9th in passing defense because teams don't have to throw on them because they pick up such big early leads. So, on paper, this is a pretty favorable matchup for Nebraska, but Nebraska's gone through their share of struggles, and now they're going on the road on a short week against an Illinois team that's had two full weeks to prepare. So um, some different variables involved, but I think if you just put this thing head-to-head, Nebraska's the clear favorite here. There's no question. If this game's in Lincoln on a normal week's rest, I think Nebraska wins. I mean, this is a worse team than Rutgers, in my opinion, no I doubt. Mean, as far as when you look at it. but. Uh, we'll we'll dive in more to the matchup as far as injuries and, and offense and defensive talk here as uh, we get you ready for Friday night football here in Champaign. Uh, both Robin and I and um, our interns, David and Matt, will be out there uh, covering the game. So lots to look forward to here on Husker Online. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about the offense and quarterback Tanner Lee and some of the struggles he went through, but how he kind of kept his composure uh, through some pretty tense moments in Memorial Stadium. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online. Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, that, that was tough. I made a dumb play there. Uh, that's that's for sure. I think the biggest thing was, you know, we, we got the ball back on like inside our own five. And we went 19 plays, finished with a touchdown, and uh, that was that was the most important thing to us right there. And we got it done, so that was good for us and our offense. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. We're getting you ready for Friday's game in Champaign, Nebraska, Illinois. It can be seen on FS1, uh, 7 o'clock kickoff uh, in Champaign as Nebraska will take on the Illini. And that was quarterback Tanner Lee. And it's been a week for him. It's been a transition for him that I don't think any of us could have predicted. And I felt like things hit rock bottom this past Saturday. Um you know, Nebraska was up 14 to 10. Offense has the ball. It looks like they can maybe kind of go for an early knockout, pick six, 17 14 at that point. And he comes back out for the next series in Memorial Stadium, booed Tanner Lee. Um, and, and they wanted him out of the game. They wanted Patrick O'Brien in there. Kind of similar to when Scott Frost got booed in 2000 um, or 1997 uh, for Frankie London. And it ended up being kind of a turning point for Frost. Well, Mike Riley sticks with Tanner Lee backs him it's their guy they didn't even get Patrick O'Brien up to start throwing the football and it was a real tense moment but they wrote it out and Lee finishes the game six of eight they adjusted the offense and it will be interesting if that's a turning point because Mike Riley 
took his back when the entire Roman Colosseum wanted Tanner Lee taken out. And, and that's not easy to do, but it's a sign of a leader. And we'll see if that carries over now going forward, Robin. Well, I'll admit, I was one of the people that thought he should be taken out. Um, and after that, they had to tell you to stop booing in the press box. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got yelled at, no. But uh, it was more so I, I just didn't know where Tanner's confidence was. I mean, uh, that dude has thrown nine interceptions in essentially three games, including three pick sixes. And that's terrible. I mean, he leads the nation in interceptions right now. He leads the nation in pick sixes. And uh, Nebraska cannot win with that. Uh, and so, I mean, I don't care how big the difference in talent is between Tanner and Patrick O'Brien in practice. Uh, you got to get someone in there that's not going to be a liability and put your team in harm's way time and time again. But to Tanner's credit, uh, he settled down and led a 17-play, 97-yard drive that took up over eight minutes when that team absolutely needed it and made some clutch throws in the process. So, uh, you know, for as rough as things and ugly as things got uh, and that, at that point, uh, he responded well. And, you know, that's one of the things that every coach and player says about him is, you know, he's kind of got one of those personalities that never fluctuates. He's the same calm, cool, collected guy that he is every single day in practice, even in the most tense situations in games. And I think that is a real asset, especially, you know, being in the slump that he is right now, that he's not a guy that's going to get too down on himself. But uh, the reality is that passing game has to improve. Uh, if they think that they're going to run the ball, you know, 20 of 22 plays in a quarter or whatever that stat was, uh, and, you know, win against higher level Big Ten teams, that's just not going to happen. And Mike Riley said as much. They have to throw the ball better, more effectively, and not turn the ball over at such an alarming rate. Yeah, kudos to Mike Riley for for sticking with his guy there. I mean, like like you said, Sean, everybody in the stadium wanted a change there or was voicing their opinion to, to make a change, and, and Riley's stuck with his guy. And I think that uh, Tanner Lee really showed his experience on that and, and why Riley probably was sticking with him. Because uh, I don't think that you you would have got the same outcome on that drive had you inserted kind of a cold Patrick O'Brien into into the same situation. I just don't think that would have happened. So um, yeah, I think that that turned out well, and and I think ultimately it showed why Tanner Lee is is kind of the leader on this team, why he's a captain, why he's always the same, whether it's in, on the football field uh, after he just thrown a pick six, or if he's in the in the weight room or or on the practice field. I mean. Uh, he's he's about as even keeled as his as, as his head coach is. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. As we look at this offense, so I think they found an identity, an identity that Nebraska fans really like. It was almost kind of a UCL UCLA ish Foster Farms Bowl type game plan. It wasn't near as pretty as that, but uh, Nebraska was able to just run the ball. Twenty of their twenty two final plays. Divino Zigbo finally got his opportunity, and he's going to get more carries as things go forward. He finished with over 100 yards. It looks like Trey Bryant won't be available again this week. So you, you get the sense you're going to see about 40 to 50 carries on the ground at Illinois. Um, and, you know, Zigbo and uh, Mikael Wilbon are going to get about 15 or 20 carries each. Jalen Bradley's going to get his five to seven touches, and uh, that seems to be the recipe right now. Keep Tanner Lee under center and, and really kind of take the pressure off him, and hopefully that could open up the play action and some other things in this offense. Yeah, it has to be that recipe, um, just because I don't think that uh, clearly we've seen Tanner Lee isn't the type of guy that can go throw the ball 45 times a game and win it. Um, you know, he's a guy that needs to play off of a consistent running game. And that starts with the offensive line. 
which I thought was much improved despite being out a couple of starters. Uh, you know, I credit guys like Michael Decker and Brendan Hymas for really stepping up and playing extremely well um, and maybe one of the better overall performances that group has had all season. And then the running backs, um, you know, there's a lot of people that were clamoring for a committee approach uh, for a long time now, and they finally did it, and look what happened. You know, they were able to run the ball in 47 to 73 plays, including 32 of their final 40 snaps in the second half. Uh, like I said, I don't know how sustainable that is against better defenses, but against the Rutgers, against an Illinois, that is exactly what Nebraska needs to do to win the game. Go on the road uh, on Friday, run the ball right at a young Illinois defense that's given up a ton of yardage, and basically establish the tone from the opening snap. And then that takes the pressure off Tanner Lee, makes the passing game work much more smoothly, and everything just clicks uh, as a, re- a result of that. Yeah, some interesting storylines kind of with those running backs uh, when the ground game's seemingly there for the taking. You've got Divino Zigbo, who uh, kind of had his breakout game as a true freshman in Champaign. You know, I, I think he scored his first career touchdown there, um, you know, and kind of put himself, you know, on the map his true freshman year there. And then it's a homecoming of sorts for Mikhail Wilbon. And those are going to be the two guys that, that have to kind of uh, carry the torch on Friday. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, just how effective they are and uh, in, in how, you know, if that offensive line can uh, give you the same type of effort that they gave you in Rutgers or even better. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show uh, as we talk offensive storylines, getting you ready. The segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with locations uh, two in Lincoln, five in Omaha. It is the place to be to watch Friday night's Nebraska-Illinois game for great wings, uh, plenty of beer on tap and specials um, as Tanner's and Omaha and Lincoln is where you want to be. But receivers, guys, that was a real problem, I thought. When you looked at that game the other night, um, when you didn't have Stanley Morgan, you didn't have Brian Reimers, man, this this offense really looked handicapped at times, uh, just not having some of those key guys out there um, in the receiving game. Well, yeah, yeah, you had Stanley Morgan out. You had Brian Reimers out. Therefore, that left Gabe Ron as your number one uh, split end. And, uh, you know, as, as good of a story as that is, that's not that's not going to work. Um, you know, uh, he, he's a complimentary player at best. And so um, Stanley is far and away Tanner Lee's number one go-to guy. And when he is in the lineup, um, it changes everything with that passing game. Um, and so when you take him out of it, we've seen the problems that they've had. And, um, you know, DeMornay really wasn't able to be as big of a factor as he needed to be. And uh, J.D. Spielman made some nice plays, but he's still coming along. And then Tyjon Lindsay obviously um, still has a ways to go before he's that impact guy um, that everybody expected he would be. And so, uh, yeah, that receiving group uh, and the depth at that position is a real issue right now. Uh, and they have to get healthy. And I think Stanley Morgan is basically going to be a game-time decision again. Um, they're going to test him out on Friday and see how that neck is feeling and um, hope that he can go. Obviously, he's traveling, which means that they feel fairly confident about his ability to play. Same thing with Brian Reimer. So there's a chance that both those guys can be back, which would be absolutely huge because that, that, that receiving group needs everybody they can get right now. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, if they do some different things there with that group and with the passing game in general, because the wideouts have had, you know, kind of struggled getting separation for whatever reason uh, early on in this season. And of course, uh, Tanner Lee's kind of struggled with parts of the passing game, too. So it'll be something that I'm watching to see if they change up maybe some of the the route concepts or, or things of that nature this weekend. And we didn't even touch on this, but the offensive line looks like it's going to stay the same again. Michael Decker was maybe the surprise of the 
the line. He came in there and, and ran that thing like a boss, like he's been doing it for years in his first career start at center. Brendan Hymas, uh, true freshman at right tackle, about as good of an opening career freshman start as you're going to see. So look for that to stay the same. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift the conversation over to defense as Bob Diaco's crew has made big improvements in the statistics. We'll talk about that next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. What a great job Coach Riley did leading this week. Um, leading the staff, helping coach the coaches and teach the staff and, 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 and the players and lead them. And He just did a great job. He's got such a great way. I'm learning from him every day and it's been an honor to serve him too. So. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. That was the big bad Bob Diaco. It's almost like Bob Diaco has turned to 180, guys, as you know, he got a lot of criticism for being stuck in an elevator for a 20-minute period and missing his session after the uh, opener to now almost going out of his way to, to be overly nice in the media and and um, with his answers. And, I mean, he was referring to guys by their first names, by looking at their name tags. And um, it's interesting to kind of see how he's gotten more comfortable Guys, let's talk about his defense. I mean, the defense has really been the story. 17 points over the last 10 quarters. Uh, they've given up, I believe, under 600 yards in that same period. Uh, but they've gone from 122 in the national rankings to 57th since the Oregon game. They're now 29th against the run. And granted, they have played teams not with great offenses, Northern Illinois and Rutgers. But uh, my argument to people is like, what are they supposed to do? Still give up yards? I mean, they, they're doing what they're supposed to do, and that's not easy to do. Uh, the win over Rutgers, Robin, was statistically the best defensive game uh, Nebraska's played under Mike Riley. Yeah, I mean, the, the improving numbers speak for themselves. And yes, the competition has been lacking. But like you mentioned, Sean, I mean, that's, I mean what, what more do you want? I mean, the defense dominated bad offenses. And so, I mean, if it would have been any other result, then it might have been part of, you know, alarm for concerns. But uh, that's not the case. I mean, this defense gets better and better each time we see them play. And basically, since the second half of that Oregon game, um, and really, it's been the offense that has been, you know, the worst enemy as far as putting points on the, the scoreboard for the other team. And so um, that's definitely been a big piece of optimism that, uh, you know, for as bad as things were, were the first two and a half games, or maybe two games, uh, they, they've really turned things around. And you see, starting to see guys play with the type of confidence that we saw during the spring and fall, uh, you know, when the, those guys were kind of running around making plays and, you know, playing with a high tempo energy. And I, I do think partly it has to do with the, the style of offense they saw against Rutgers. I mean, that, that spread out run pass option look that they saw for the first three weeks, that's just hard to defend in general, and particularly for the scheme that they run. And, um, you know, basically exploited the biggest weakness, which were young cornerbacks, and the, the, the numbers spoke for themselves. So uh, they faced a more pro-style offense, Rutgers, and they will continue to do so through most of conference play, and I think you'll start to see it look far more like it did last week uh, than we saw earlier in the season. Yeah, well, I'm with you guys. I hate that argument that, you know, well, they've played subpar competition. I mean, um, they've they've played that subpar competition pretty darn well, about as good as you could hope. Uh, in, in my barometer for exactly how far this defense has grown is that that confidence, is that, that swagger, how fast the guys are moving around. I mean, you saw this past weekend – uh, some some big plays that were happening and, and guys were celebrating and and you know the the crowd was fired up after some big plays. I mean uh, the, those are plays that we hadn't really seen uh, too many of 
early on. So uh, I think the guys are confident, um, and and that's something that all the defensive coaches have talked about. That that the more experience these guys get, the more confident they're getting, and and it's starting to really click. And I think we're we're definitely seeing that. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk defensive storylines. A segment brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. Five locations in Omaha, two in Lincoln. It is your place to watch Friday night's Nebraska-Illinois game. But as you look at this defense, guys, I think they've really developed an identity of being physical up front. I mean, just the teeth of this defense, Carlos Davis, Khalil Davis, Mick Stoltenberg, uh, Dedrick Young, and then obviously Chris Weber and Muhammad Barry. I think those guys in the middle, those A-gaps, have just dominated. I mean, they have played very physical run defense. I don't care if it's been Royce Freeman or the nobody running back that Rutgers trotted out in the field. They have shut those guys down and, and, and have done an outstanding job, and I think that's something this football team has really started to hang their hat on. Well, when teams actually run up the middle against them, they've done well all season. And we saw that a lot more than we had the first three weeks against Rutgers. And uh, again, I think that the, the the shift in style of offenses they're going to face are really going to play more and more into the strength of this defense. And I believe that is the front seven. Um, you know, we didn't even mention the, the outside guys. Luke Gifford may be playing the best football of anyone on that defense right now. Um, he had maybe his best game as a Husker against Rutgers. Um, team high six tackles, tackle for loss and the game-winning interception. And he's just been doing it week in, week out, to where now it's a point where uh, Bob Diaco said they don't want to take him off the field. Uh, And so, I mean, what a rise one guy has made from basically being a non-factor in this defense to being um, maybe the most important piece in that entire front seven. Well, and how about uh, what you got out of Ben Stilley last weekend, too? I mean, he's a guy who seemingly came out of nowhere and played really well, I thought, for for seeing his first extensive action um, as a as a defender at Nebraska. I mean, I, I thought he played very, very well, was was always around the football. Uh, you know, I, obviously, I don't know how he graded out or anything, but I mean, he was he was in the mix quite a bit. So um, when when some guys have dropped down and fallen off, you know, off the field, uh, you've seen guys, other guys step up and answer the call. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk defensive storylines. Guys, we got to address Chris Jones as well. I saw him on Wednesday literally running sprints on the side of the field, and these weren't like half sprints. They were full sprints. It is amazing how fast he has recovered from what looked to be a season-ending injury. He made a statement on Twitter basically alluding that he's made it through this difficult time and he will be basically be back. Uh, now, Mike Riley continues to kind of say, pump the brakes, we don't know yet, uh, but it looks pretty promising that we could see Chris Jones, maybe Wisconsin or Ohio State, Robin. As soon as that injury happens, you know, initially he was given the four to six month uh, recovery time frame, and he said that was a joke, that he was going to be back well before then. And, and like, how do you know that? Yeah, that I know. Point? I guess that's that's uh, shows a sign of a very confident player. But um, I mean, like you said, if, if he's doing full on sprints right now, um, he is well ahead of schedule. Mike Riley said as much. He said that um, he is daily surprising their medical staff with how far along he is in his recovery. Um, he's testing at an extremely high level just, you know, with um, the stability and, um, you know, just the reactions that he's getting on that knee. Um, and all of that signs are optimistic. Now, as Mike Riley mentioned, there's a big difference between being cleared to play and being ready to play at the level where he was before that injury. So um, even when he is cleared to finally, you know, 
put on pads for practice for the first time, it will still be a process of getting back into the football realm. You know, it's one thing to run in shorts and a t-shirt off the side. It's another thing to put your body in there and make cuts on a dime without thinking uh, and being the reactive uh, player you have to be to be a shutdown corner, which, you know, made him so good. And so um, how that process goes is kind of the next big hurdle facing him but as far as just getting that knee ready to play again um all signs have been as good as nebraska could have possibly hoped for well and i hate to look ahead too far but boy what a piece to get back to that defense you know you you add chris jones back to that secondary um you know and if you get a clue back uh, you know the guys that have kind of stepped up and answered the call uh, when the, with those two defenders out have, have played pretty well. Have come around and at least given Nebraska uh, some depth. So uh, you add those two players back to that secondary, uh, and all of a sudden you you got a lot of pieces there to kind of and, work with or be flexible. With. And I don't think anybody on the staff is going to be like, no, 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 don't don't come back, Chris. Because yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the the pressure's on, guys. I mean, yeah, there's exactly. a lot of heat on this staff right now. And if Chris wants to come back and he's adamant about it, I think they're going to be like. Come on back, Chris. We need you right now. And if they could somehow get him back for the Wisconsin game or the Ohio State game, man, what a lift. I mean, if they look good in this game on Friday and win, there's a lot of momentum coming back for this night home game where Nebraska's 46-5 and all time in night home games uh, against the Badgers. Yeah, I mean, uh, it obviously, that's a, an optimistic view. Um, you know, first things first. My glass is half yes, full. Still. No doubt that they have to go on the road and, and win a game, which obviously they haven't. They done got yet. this. So they, they got this. Uh, like one. I said, they should win this, but you know, this is a team that has gone through its struggles, and they, they got a lot to prove still. All right. When we come back, we're going to bring in Husker Online intern David Eichel. We'll take your questions on several different topics next in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, the walk-on program has been something that's real important to me. Uh, the relationship with former players is something that's really important to me. And if I can do something to improve those two conditions here, I think I'll, I would be pretty satisfied in a short time I'm going to be here. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was new interim athletic director Dave Remington uh, giving his thoughts on a few things, including the walk-on program as uh, he was introduced on Tuesday and kind of caused some stir a little bit because you know Mike Riley, to all respect or all counts, has done a good job the last couple of years. But that's a whole other thing Nate and I can discuss in the recruiting segment. We got mailbag time now. What do you have for us, David, in the mailbag as we bring in Husker Online intern David Eichel? Will Dave Remington be actively on the field with recruits while he's AD, and how hands-on will he be with the football team? That will be really interesting um, because Dave, I don't know how mobile he is. He's got bad knees, obviously, from his playing days, and I can't envision him, Nate, roaming the sidelines and walking around. Uh, I think Hank Bounds, though, is going to continue to have a heavy presence down there, and I'm sure the recruits will deal with Dave Remington. Um, and, And what are we talking about here, Nate? Two weekends, Ohio State and Wisconsin? Yeah, I mean, essentially two two weekends, but they're probably going to end up being the two biggest weekends of, of the year for Nebraska in terms of having recruits on campus. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm willing to bet that they put all these guys in front of Dave Remington, but I don't think it will necessarily happen on the sidelines prior to the games. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, just – uh, he strikes me as a guy that doesn't really like being out front in the spotlight like that. I think he's a guy that kind of operates behind the scenes and, um, you know, will be much better as far as you know, communicating his message in a more controlled environment. Uh, does Nebraska have any first team all Big Ten selections this season? Well, when you have a league with 14 teams and four in the top 10, 
but you have to put that in context. To be a first-team All-Big Ten guy, you are almost an All-American. I mean, that's that's a fact. You are borderline second, third team, or even a first-team All-American. So right now, today, no, I don't I don't know who that would be. Even Drew Brown as a kicker, it's really hard. Uh, you dang near have to be perfect because all anyone looks at is the stats. They don't they don't look at the the lengths and the misses and, and so I don't know I mean yeah, today right now I don't see any all Big Ten guys yep neither do I uh, like you said Sean I mean to be first team all Big Ten you are uh, among the best of the best in all of college football and right now I can't point to any position on this team and say there's a Husker that fits that that description had Stanley Morgan been able to stay healthy um, you I think he's about the only one that you can make an argument for just because of the numbers that he was putting up. We're listening to the Husker Online Show. Uh, Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. We're with David Eicholt taking your questions in the mailbag. Is Caleb Lightborn the most improved player on the team so far? He'd be up there. I think when you look at what Lightborn's done, he has been as consistent as you can be. He didn't you know, have one maybe shank here or there. Uh, but, man, when you look at year-over-year year return and improvement, um, it has been impressive. I think now, though, when you look at what's happened, I think Michael Decker last week, what he showed, needs to be in that conversation. Uh, and, and and if he keeps playing well, I think there's going to be some debate. Why wasn't he playing over Dylan Utter at times last year if if, if, if the offense can continue to look good uh, with him under center? Yeah, I think right now Lightborn is – uh, seventh or eighth in the Big Ten in punting right now, so you know he, he's doing well. I wonder um, what he is in net though. Yeah, um, I guess he's averaging forty-two point three yards on twenty-three attempts, so uh, long as sixty-four. So I mean, it's a solid year, uh, no doubt about it. But my vote for that title still goes with Luke Gifford. Uh, I mean, that, that guy good call. Is, he's, that yeah. dude is balling out right now, and like I said, he may be the uh, the highest performing defensive player on the team right now. Yeah, I was going to say Luke Gifford. Obviously, you like the consistency that Caleb Lightborn has given you so far this year, uh, but there's no question to me in terms of overall improvement that Luke Gifford is hands down the guy. What does it take for head coach Mike Riley and Danny Langsdorf to give Patrick O'Brien a shot? Will it take Tanner Lee getting injured? Yes, I really believe that. Um, I think we've seen about as low as it goes at this point, and they have still stuck with Patrick or Tanner Lee. Um, I know, I mean, it's just so, our society is so reactionary. I mean, they want everything now, they want to see it now, and they want to move on to the next guy. But this staff has made a clear statement that Tanner Lee is their guy. They believe in him. And I just don't see any situation where he's pulled unless he gets hurt. If nine interceptions in three games, including one game with four picks, including one game with two pick sixes, doesn't get you benched, I don't know what will. So, yes, it will take an injury for them to make a move. Agreed. It's going to take an injury. Come up with your own take, Nate. Well, I mean, geez, going third here, kind of, kind of limited. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the only way I see it happening is if it, you know, if he costs, if he flat out costs Nebraska another game or two, and they have to go full out youth movement um, the rest of the way. Burn the shirt of Jebby at yeah, that point. Exactly. You know, I mean, it'll be interesting. All right, we have time for a few more. What do you have? No matter the record, does Mike Riley get a fourth year to show what he can do? Uh, it doesn't. You have to know what the record is. I mean, you can't because if they go four and eight or three and nine and get blown out week thirteen against Iowa or something, no. He's. I mean, I think everybody. It's going to be obvious. I think the discussion is going to be one way or the other. It's going to be either. It will be easy if it's so obvious one way or the other. What's going to be tough is that gray area. If they hover in that six seven win mark but show promise, um, what happens in that situation? 
There's another factor too, is whoever is hired as this full team time AD, does he have the guy that he wants ready to sign on? I mean, if there's a situation where they want to wait it out for maybe another year, then that could extend Mike Riley's tenure for one more season. So, I mean, there's a whole lot of factors that we just don't know right now. And like Sean said, I mean, if they somehow turn this thing around, um, you know, starting with, you know, a win last week, they go win this week and then upset Wisconsin. I mean, all of a sudden we got a whole new viewpoint about what this season is for Mike Riley. They're back on track really at that point. Yeah, no question about it. I think that if they if they do get to six or seven wins and they are competitive in, in every game, and then you factor in that maybe uh, the new athletic director may not be hired until November or even late November, uh, you know, how much time does he really have to evaluate the program? Uh, I, I do think that Mike Riley deserves another year. Uh, that with the way that they've been recruiting. Um, I think the the program is heading you know in the right direction despite the the problems that they've kind of had this year. But uh, definitely you know it's it's in his hands that's for sure. And I think the only comparison we really have, guys, is 2007. And, mm-hmm. and, and in 2007, it fell apart fast. I mean, they were getting destroyed, and that was an easy decision. Tom Osborne didn't necessarily want to fire Bill Callahan. He even said if he won seven or even six, he probably would have kept him. But it fell apart. So. I don't know if that, yeah, I don't know if they just want to blow this up when you invest three hard years into it. Uh, but he's got to have to give them, obviously, a reason to believe that he deserves a fourth year. Last question Do you think Dave Vermington looks eerily familiar to Brock Lesnar? <laughs> maybe, maybe 30 years ago. Another last question, please. <laughs> You got anything else? Uh, that was it. I had to end on that note because I, I think they're I think they're doppelgangers. If you look at him back when he was playing and he's throwing up like a thousand pounds on the leg press, yeah, there, there's some similarities. I mean, pre- minus the afro. Yeah, minus the afro. I'm pretty sure his wrists are as big as my legs. So, I mean, he's just he's a big guy. Oh yeah, I mean, Dave Remington is a poster of the weight room out of Nebraska when he was here. I mean, literally, he was the guy that built the strength and conditioning program into what it was under Boyd Epley. You know, it started in the 70s and late 60s for Nebraska, but what he did in there with Stein Cooler and those guys in the 80s, it kind of set the tone for Nebraska going into the 90s and and, and separated the program from others. They were the first program to have a strength and conditioning off-season program, which was groundbreaking in that time. Yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So back to Brock Lesnar, though. I don't know about Dave's uh, ability to wrestle. Um, you know, that, that was, can can he? I think Dave Remington wrestled that South. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, the the parallels continue. All right. <laughs> well, sorry, Dave, if you're listening. Uh, but when we come back, we are going to talk some recruiting. We'll address those walk-on comments that Dave Remington made and give our thoughts on that and much more, including the big Wisconsin weekend. Nebraska got the break they needed. That game will be played at night. What does that mean for recruiting? We'll ask Nate Klaus. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And final segment here of the program as we talk recruiting, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus says, uh, you heard Dave Remington's comments, Nate, to start us out in the other segment, and it kind of got a little controversy um, going. As Dave Remington said, one of the things he really wants to emphasize is the walk-on program in his short time at Nebraska. And, um, you know, I don't think Dave was trying to say Nebraska needs to go back to recruiting or needs to have a roster full 200 players because they can't do that anymore. It's just a, uh, But I, I think he just wants to – you know, use his experiences in the program and share those with people that matter. And 
and, and hopefully impact them. And, uh, you know, Mike Riley was very diplomatic about it this week, obviously, as he should be, as a, that's his new boss. But um, it, it, it kind of raised some flags. Like, what did he mean by that statement? Yeah, I think you could you could read something into it, but I don't think I don't think there's anything to really make out of it. I think that uh, what Dave was really trying to say was that hey, this is an important part of Nebraska football and Nebraska football history, and and I just want to make sure that it that it continues down the right path. I, I think you have to give a lot of credit to Mike Riley and how they've handled the walk-ons, uh, especially this year. I mean, they already have two really good walk-ons committed to um, that turned down offers from other schools. And I don't remember another time when uh, Nebraska had two walk-ons that, that had, had kind of committed to to, uh, to being preferred walk-ons in the summer. Um, I don't know if that's ever happened before. So, uh, you know, kudos to them for, for kind of being really proactive with this whole walk-on deal. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk recruiting Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, and the Huskers' Nate um, got a break with that Wisconsin game. It was kind of up in the air at that point. Uh, BTN had the third selection. In fact, I was told uh, through a very good source that it was thought that that BTN game was going to be a 2:30 slot. Um, instead, Nebraska-Wisconsin will be head-to-head with Michigan-Michigan State, which is an ABC-ESPN game, which they don't typically do very often. So I get the impression almost Nebraska pulled some strings and said, we want a night game really bad. They get the night game for Wisconsin, and that gives – the stadium, the atmosphere they want, and Mike Riley, uh, the home game to get some of these recruits in town. Well, yeah, I think that would have been kind of a gut punch to not have that game be at night because it, there's such a big difference in terms of your uh, availability to, to get uh, kids on campus when you're playing a night game. You know, the, logistically, uh, it is very difficult, depending on where these guys are coming from, to get them in for even a 2:30 game. Um, you know, and, and virtually impossible unless they have a buy that. That week or whatever uh, to get in for an 11 o'clock but um, you know the the best case scenario was always to have the Wisconsin game be at night uh, they already got six or seven guys lined up and I and I think you could safely say that there's probably about another six or seven guys that they're working on to get in for that weekend now, I don't think it will be 14 or 15 total but uh, you're definitely gonna be looking at a very strong double-digit group of official visitors and that would not have happened had this game been in the afternoon you're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus, as uh, we talk recruiting storylines, Nate. And um, obviously it's been one of those weeks where it's raised a lot of questions uh, with the future of the program in this staff. What is the general read you're getting out there? I know you talk to a lot of people, a lot of recruits. Are you hearing anything uh, interesting right now? Well, I, I think there's a little bit of, of you know nervous tension, I guess you could call it, uh, but nothing – too crazy. I, I think that, and I don't know if the staff has done a really good job of kind of getting out in front of this and kind of explaining things uh, to the recruits or or what. But you know, I, I thought that there could be some panic from from some recruits, and obviously it does raise a lot of questions. Uh, but we haven't seen any you know um, knee jerk reactions by any recruits. You know, there obviously have been no decommitments. Nobody is is even really talking about um, possibly looking to go 
elsewhere or, or opening things back up or anything like that. I think that a lot of kids are just kind of taking a wait and see approach. They believe in Mike Riley. They believe in the direction of the program. Uh, they've bought into, you know, what uh, Mike Riley's vision of, of this program is. And, and that vision includes them in, in the mix. And, and I think that uh, that may end up being one of the saving graces um, going through this kind of hard patch or, or tough times right now uh, because these kids are fully invested in this. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk recruiting. Now, Nate, you're going to be on a big trip this weekend yourself. Uh, you're going to get a chance to go out and see three different commits play on Nebraska's cla- in Nebraska's class in three different states. In three different nights, so yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be kind of a long, long weekend. But I'm really excited. Uh, you know, we're heading out to uh, to Colorado to see Tate Wildeman, uh, Nebraska's defensive end, commit play. Um, you know, I'm really excited to to see him in action. Uh, he's he's a guy who's who's really fun to watch. You know, in terms of what he puts on film, uh, he's he's always a, he's a high motor guy, uh, very athletic, and uh, I think that he's going to be uh, exciting to see in person. And then we're heading from Denver to Scotts Bluff to see 2019 outside linebacker slash defensive end commit Garrett Nelson play, who's having just an unreal junior season. Uh, I mean, he's he's pushing 40 tackles um, you know double digit tackles for loss and and I think six or seven sacks on the season already uh, through the first four games and Scott's Bluff is undefeated they're playing a really good McCook squad uh, that also has some talent on, on that team too so uh, and then we're driving back to Denver and flying to Tampa God who's your boss that yeah. makes you do this stuff <laughs> And, and heading down to Bradenton to see Buki Radley-Hiles and, and uh, you know, T.J. Pledger and, and Brian Hightower, Houston Griffith, Cam Coleman. I mean, there's probably about, you know, eight to ten guys on that IMG team uh, that are, that are you know, of interest for Nebraska. Um, and, and plus they're playing Miami Northwestern, which is traditionally uh, a powerhouse program in the state of, of Florida. So that's going to be a really good matchup. Uh, and I cannot wait to, to see that game. There's going to be probably more talent on that football field at, at one time than I've probably ever seen in my life at a high school football game. Yeah, what are you expecting to see at an IMG home game? It's such a unique deal with, with those kids. None of them are from there. None of their families are there. Uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what the crowd's like. I'll be curious for your report on that. Yeah, I have no idea what to expect, to be honest with you, because if you take that type of talent and pretty much put it into any other state around the country, you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are in the stands watching that uh, watching that matchup. But uh, because these guys do come from all over the country, and, and you know, I'm, I'm guessing that their parents are able to make it to a game or two a year, but uh, not to every game, um, you know, it's not like they've got a regular student body. I mean, they've got other athletes on the campus there. But um, so, I mean, it's going to be very unique. And, and to be honest with you, I have no idea what to expect, but I'm, I'm really looking forward In to it. In some ways, I mean, it's a kind of an off-the-wall example, but it reminds me locally of Boys Town. I mean, all those kids are from out of state. Mm-hmm. They go to Boys Town, and they have some great athletes in that building. And, uh, and, you know, they don't have any family members around to go to attend those games. And it's kind of the same deal. A lot of those kids are great athletes from around the country. 
Um, but you know, the, are they the number one team right now, or where, where are they ranked in those rankings? Uh, it depends on which one you look at. I mean, they're anywhere from number one to number three. And what's hurt them is that they've lack missed, of games. Yeah, they've missed two games due to due to hurricanes. So um, you know, Irma really kind of threw a wrench in their schedule. And and since they're not the typical school, um, you know, and they don't have you know they don't have a playoffs. You know, once their regular season is over with, that they're done because they're not part of the Florida high schools. Uh, sports or football association or whatever it is there uh so you know you know losing those two games kind of hurt them uh whereas every other big time team in the country uh kind of have have a couple games up well, and, it, and it's hard to get a game past late october because every other state moves into the playoffs so yeah, it's that's pretty much pr- impossible you know they're done with their season before halloween and in, in a lot of years because if you're in a regular state deal you're playing in playoffs all through november yeah so i mean it's it's a really unique situation and i almost kind of feel bad for those kids uh to lose two games of their senior year that won't be made up um, you know it's kind of a rough deal but at the same time 95 percent of those players are early enrollees that'll be off to college here in a few months anyhow well it should be interesting i'm looking forward to your report and uh, we will have coverage obviously of the entire trip all throughout next week on husker online and obviously we'll be out in champaign with complete coverage as well as nebraska gets ready to take on illinois here on friday Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.